When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am J.P. Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. J.P., how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Those of y'all that don't know, one of our favorite books of the, of the world is called The Bible. Right. Uh, so I've been reading through it, and this morning I was in, uh, start, so let's start at the beginning. So I got to Genesis 1.14, and it's okay. like, you know, it's when God makes light. I guess I should read it. Okay. Maybe I should read it so I don't botch it. It's like, and God <laughs> said, let there be light. And so I was like, hey, that's kind of ironic. We're talking about blinded by the light. Yeah. Pretty neat. But what y'all may not know is uh, after that, he turned around to the angels and he's like, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I just did this. He's like, I think I'll call it a day. <laughs> ah. Day four. Ah. So we're talking about wow. today. Blinded by the light. Oh, that man. That was such a bad... That was a that bad was segue. So, it was bad theology. It's it was horrible bad theology. It was, everything about that was so, so bad. It was bad. Hey, but, they can't all be home you know, runs. You were blinded. Every now and then. You were blinded. That's right. Not my best. Let's do it. We, man, let's get right into it. Uh, <laughs> this is Blinded by the Light by Manfred Mann's Earth Band. <laughs> Like a what now? Charles, what now? <laughs> Are we gonna have to bleep this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just play the. Just both had epileptic seizures. <laughs> Histrionics. We just it went was through. wonderful. On that, was when that great. synth part comes in and starts shaking, being robbed. We literally we oh, looked man. like a Joe Cocker cover. Duo. Oh like, yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was, was awesome. Really insane. It was wonderful. This is "Blinded by the Light" by Manfred's Man. Nope, by, Man, <laughs> by Manfred Mann's Earth Band, which is such a happy, bouncy name to just say. Like it's just kind of fun to say, you know. Hey, I'm Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, or like yeah, you know, it's good. just fun to say. Um, from the 1976 album "The Roaring Silence," good album, uh, written by Bruce Springsteen. What? I, a lot of people know that. A lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna have some a little bit of fun talking today about that. And not only that, but we're gonna have a lot of fun today talking to Chris Thompson, who was the lead singer of Manfred Mann's Oh, Man's man, Earth so Band. excited for you guys to get to hear this. We'll probably keep it a little shorter at the beginning, yeah. and we won't, because he's got so much to talk about. Yeah. And he's such a good interview, such a nice guy, such Absolutely. a lot of fun. One good of our stuff. favorites. And so uh, he is the voice that you hear, the voice that you know and love from this song. And he is the voice of that infamous misheard lyric. Absolutely. And we're going to talk to him about it, uh, as sick as he may be of... Of hearing about it. We're going to talk He's got to a great it. story with it, though. He really does. Uh, you're going to love it. Yeah, it really does. Uh, so a little bit about the song. Uh, it hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. This was a huge song. Like, you kind of think it, it kind of at times becomes a little bit of a punchline because of that lyric, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks about it and sort of like, like when I was a kid, I thought it was f- a famous song because of that line. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, 
I didn't realize that it was just a huge song to begin with and happened to have this line in it. So, but yeah, it hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100, uh, number one in the U.S. Cashbox Top 100, number one in Canada, number six in the U.K., uh, to which Manfred Mann's Earth Band was native. Um, written by Bruce Springsteen. We might as well play a little bit of the Springsteen yeah, version. Yeah, let's do it. If you are familiar with the Manfred Mann version and not familiar with the Bruce Springsteen version, it's, this is going to be pretty jarring. So let's play a little bit of it, and you can hear Springsteen's original. This is from his, uh, his debut album, uh, Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. This is uh, Blinded by the Light by Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Makes me want to dance like Michael Jackson, Scarecrow from The Wiz. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's got a little ease on down the road feel. Farmers and Indians in the summer with a teenage diplomat. In the dumps with the months as the To learn the lyrics, listen to the Bruce Springsteen version. <laughs> with a boulder on my shoulder, feeling kind of older, I trip the merry-go-round. With this very unpleasing sneezing but and It does still have that famous guitar diddly 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 that everybody knows and loves, right? It's got that? No, no. <laughs> it's a different song. Yeah, I mean, truly. It just makes me want to, like, I don't know, shake my body around <laughs> and try to walk. I tell you what I really hear in this, though. I hear Counting Crows in this. I hear Adam Durant. Oh, man, here. that's real. Here, here's it is. Oh. Cut loose. Cut loose, yeah. Foot loose. tell i mean that last that that ending of the chorus is it's in the manfred man version but only twice i think mm-hmm. it happens at the end of every chorus in the springsteen version it's a very 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 different song uh th- from tempo to feel to obviously instrumentation you know it's much more like you know um it's closer to like a jackson brown vibe than a manfred man's earth band which was like proto prog you know what yeah. i mean it's like 70s progressive rock so uh it just two totally different songs the way i even discovered that bruce springsteen wrote that song was the movie that just came out the movie oh, really? the movie's called blinded, blinded by the by light the, yeah and i was like oh cool and i was like bruce springsteen's story. I was like, what in the world why, why did they name that song what? after that man for I man? Know, I mean, why did they name the movie after, after that man, for man, for man, man song? song i know right and so then I, I looked it i was like well who knew I guess a lot of the world knew, but not me. Just but the guy hey, that does the music podcast. We're we're letting the <laughs> we're letting the rest of the world know. That's right. Um, yeah. So and and that is literally that's the first. I, I'm I'm right about that, right? That's that's Springsteen's first album, right? Green I Spurs believe so. Part? I know that uh, he um, that Man for Man does a cover of another Springsteen song, yeah. "Spirits in the Night," which we talked a little bit with with Chris Thompson about, but actually on Spirits of the Night, Springsteen played every instrument except for the sax part. Um, Interesting. And the drummers, which Vinny Lopez plays on, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure. So, so er- early the, Springsteen. That is the first track from the first album by Bruce Springsteen. Boom. And uh, so he was just kind of starting to hit here in the States, and Manfred Mann hears it. Manfred Mann is a person. That's not a made-up person. It's not like Pink Floyd, yep. right? It's Manfred Mann's an actual person, and we'll talk about him in a second a little bit. But uh, so he hears the song, takes it back to the U.K., and we'll talk a little bit about how it got, you know, incorporated into the band and how he, you know, Chris Thompson's going to tell us about how the song sort of came to be for them. Um, but uh, it's, it's pretty interesting how uh, it's just a funny, it's, it's an odd story, how it, how it comes to become part of Manfred Mann's, you know, story. So um, we're excited, man. This was a really good inf- interview with Chris Thompson. Um, by the way, it did not chart for Bruce Springsteen um, at all. Didn't hit the top, you know, 100 or, or the, the Billboard charts at all. Um, but it does remain Springsteen's only number one song as either an artist or a writer. That is crazy. He he hit crazy. number two. We've said this before with "Dancing in the Dark," um, and but that's it. He's never had a number one as a performer or a writer other than Manfred Mann's version of this song. Now, technically, if you count "We Are the World," 
he's had a number one as a performer. But that's like, that's like 50 people yeah, having a number one for that, that you know, one mm-hmm. song. So I, if you count We Are the World, then fine, he had a number one as a performer. But otherwise, nothing. Uh, he hit number two with uh, Dancing in the Dark, and that was it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Manfred Mann, uh, the artist, and, and the band, and then maybe we can okay, meet yeah, the band. Okay, we can meet the band, um, and you can talk a little bit about Why don't we just meet him? Let's, okay, we'll, we'll meet we'll the band. We'll talk about Manfred in the process. Okay, cool, here we go. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, we're going to meet the band that played on this wonderful track. Um, on keys and backing vocals, Manfred Mann. I know Rob wants to talk a little bit on it, so I'll save him some time on this. But th- basically three different iterations of the Manfred Mann. There was Manfred Mann. There was Manfred Mann, Chapter 3. And Which is was, funny. I yeah, think that's I funny. think it's great to put right? that in the order. Like, uh, who is it? Chickenfoot, right? Their yeah. second album was called Chickenfoot 3. three yeah. I, I think that stuff is funny. And Manfred Mann's Rare Earth Band, uh, which is on, uh, who, who we're speaking right. on today. Which just became Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Earth Band, yep. yep. Um, known for playing the Mini Moog, Jazz Guy, uh, Jazz Keyboard Player. Yeah. Like, really jazz influence. Right. Well, did you have some things you wanted to talk about? No, no, Manfred? no. I just think my... my my most interesting thing that I did not know that I learned about Manfred Mann in the process, I did not make the connection. Manfred Mann is the guy that did Doo Wah Diddy. Like, Diddy Dumb Diddy Do. Yes, that's, ah. that's Manfred Mann all the way to this. You know what I'm saying? So, like, in the mid to late 60s, he's doing that you want, just a walking down the street singing. And, like, and then gets here to Blind yeah. the Light. It's quite a progression. Complete and opposite. you hear it. I dug, dug into some of his stuff and some of the Chapter 3 and you know, uh, some, some earth band, uh, as I was researching and you sort of hear the progression of that. It's really interesting. Apparently he's always been kind of a weird cat, you know, and, and, uh, and Chris Thompson tells us a little bit more about sort of his methodology, which is unique in its, in itself. But, uh, but yeah, that blew me away. I was like this, I I would never think that this came from the same dude that did (laughs) do what did he, did he dumb, did he do weird. Um, on lead guitar, David Flett. Um, Alfred Man from after Manfred Mann, he played with Thin Lizzy um, after Gary Moore left, um, and actually had his identity stolen and spoke out vigorously against the person trying to impersonate him. So he even wrote an album called Stolen Identity. Oh wow! So it's like uh, your typical identity serious. theft. That's a, he's the uh, he's the Jason Bateman of music. <laughs> with uh, I don't know if y'all have seen Identity Theft with Jason oh, Bateman yeah, and, and Melissa Mich- Ma- Melissa yes. McCartney. Whatever, yes. pretty pretty good little film. Um, on bass, Colin Pattenden, session guy for Engelbert Humperdinck in the 60s. And every time I hear Humperdinck, I think of the Princess Bride. Humperdinck. Humperdinck, Humperdinck, Humperdinck. Um, also played bass with one of our very favorites that we've talked about on the past, on the, on the past, in the past on the podcast, Mungo Jerry. Oh. He's Mungo Jerry's bass player. Man, it's been a good long while since we mentioned Mungo Jerry. We try to bring up you Mungo know? Jerry Dude. every now and then, so a good little, little throwback to that guy. So Colin Pattenden on drums, um, Chris Slade, most known for being ACDC's drummer, um, also played with Tom Jones okay, sure. <laughs> um, and Asia. In a oh. band called The Firm. Have you ever heard of The Firm? I don't think so. I haven't either, and I don't. Know, I didn't know how, and I'm so disappointed in my... How have I never heard of these guys? Listen to who The Firm is. It's Paul Rogers of Bad okay, Company. Sure. Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin, uh, and Tony Franklin. It's wow. like, how have I never heard of The Firm? Dude. I know, right? So I was like, and Chris Slade. So I, wow. didn't, I didn't even know of that band, um, and we do a music podcast. Man. We're killing the, the knowledge today. Yeah. But yeah. So I really enjoyed going uh, on a little sidebar with them. So Chris Slade, um, and I know if there's anything else you want to touch on, I want to get into Chris Thompson's interview as quick as possible because yeah. he touches on a lot of this, and um, maybe we can uh, rally yeah, at the end on some things. So the only, the only thing that I, I do just want to mention off the, off the top of our heads here is this, the, this line in the chorus – uh, that is, by the way, the actual lyric is revved up like a deuce. Okay. Uh, and the original Springsteen lyric is cut loose like a deuce. And Springsteen said it's a, it's a reference to like a deuce coupe. You know what I mean? Like a hot little sports car um, that it's supposed to be, you know, like the, the, the Beach Boys song, the little deuce coupe. Um, so that's the, that's the imagery right there is just revved up like a fast car. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a, uh, but it has legendarily been misheard as, wrapped up like a douche, uh, which is like, you know, feminine hygiene uh, product. <laughs> so, uh, and it's one of the, I think it's probably tied for number one in my, at least in what I can think of with the the most and greatest misheard lyrics of all time. I think, I think um, if, if this is one B, 
of the greatest misheard lyric of all time. One A has got to be Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Excuse me while I kiss, kiss this, this guy, guy. from yeah. Purple Haze. If you've never heard it, uh, why don't we at least play a, a snippet of that one? This is this is if there is a more well known misheard lyric uh, than uh, "revved up like a deuce." It is "excuse me while I kiss this guy," uh, which is which is uh, "excuse me while I kiss the sky." Let's let's just play that line here. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty well earned, right? The best, the best thing about misheard lyrics is listening back to them with the misheard lyric in mind. And it yeah. makes your brain oh, yeah. hear the misheard lyric as opposed to the original. Absolutely. So that one's definitely. If you go online and just look up best misheard lyrics, some of them are stupid and they're forced and they don't make any <laughs> sense, right? But, um, you know, like, I, I can't think of any of the really stupid ones I found while I was looking around. But um, a few others that I that I... Uh, came across, and if you have any, you want to chime in on whatever. Uh, I, one was from uh, "We Will Rock You," um, kicking your cat all over the place, <laughs> kicking your cat all over the place. <laughs> should be kicking your can. Um, oh, this one's funny. Uh, there's a song I wasn't familiar with, but the the misheard lyric was so good, I looked it up and listened to it, and it's really funny. Um, there's a Selena Gomez song called "Good for You," where she says at the beginning, "I'm 14 carats." Um, and the misheard lyric is I'm farting carrots <laughs> and you can hear it if you're listening. Uh, let me, let me play that little snippet. I'm a 14 carrots. I'm 14 carrots. <laughs> so, like I mean, okay, that's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm farting carrots. Yeah, right. That's funny. Uh, the, I built the city on sausage rolls. That's the most, the other most popular. Right? Yeah. 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 And that, that's see, a, that's one I feel like is made up. You right? think that's I don't think anybody's going to mishear rock and roll as sausage rolls. We built this you know? city of sausage rolls. I don't, I don't know. Don't. I feel like, to me, that's, that's a stretch. That's like uh, three sides. There was a good one, another more modern one, uh, from the song Attention by Charlie Puth, which I love. I absolutely <laughs> love that song. Um, the, the line is, you've been running around, running around, running around, throwing that dirt along my name, uh-huh. right? And the misheard lyric is, throwing that turtle on my knee. <laughs> throwing that turtle on my knee. Um... <laughs> There's a good one from Macy Gray. Um, I try to say goodbye and I choke. Try to walk away and I stumble. When I try to hide it, it's clear. I wear goggles when you are not here. <laughs> I wear goggles when you are not there. That's funny. Uh, another classic from John Fogarty. Uh, there's a bathroom on the right. That's another highly misheard, right? There's a bad moon on the rise. Um, and who can forget that great song podcast season one That's right. classic? You want to yeah. you want to remind us Was about the, the Christopher the Cross, Christopher Cross yeah. uh, from all right? It's all right. It's all right. Penguin O Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. Good old Penguin O Rodriguez. And, uh, Kayla's got had one too from the Steely Dan one. I was trying to remember what it was. Uh, what was the. Oh, uh, have you had an apple pie? Oh, yes, that's right. Are you reeling in the ears? Are you uh, storing away the time? Are you gathering up the tears? Have, have you, you had ha- an apple pie? Have you had an apple pie? <laughs> I, I had another one that I heard was the, then I saw her face. Now I'm going to leave her. <laughs> I'm going to leave her. That's funny. Yeah. That's good. Anyway, there's a, actually, uh, if you're into the genre of, uh, of like heavy music, like metalcore, stuff like that, uh, there's a, a friend of mine who's a, who's a well-known YouTuber named Jared Alonji, um, and he has a great series of misheard lyrics for that genre of music. It's not really my everyday kind of, kind of style, but it is very, very funny. He has a series of misheard lyrics. You should uh, definitely check that out because they're amusing, whether you like the music or not, so uh, check that out. But I think it's about time that we head to this interview. Yeah, jump in. Uh, we, are, we are pleased to offer you our interview with Chris Thompson, uh, lead singer of Manfred Mann's Earth Band for this song and this album. So uh, we're going to kick it over to Chris, and then we'll be back to close it out uh, immediately following. Let's take you to Chris Thompson right now. Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with Mr. Chris Thompson, lead singer of Manfred Mann's Earth Band for the song Blinded by the Light. Uh, and, uh, man, we're so excited. This is, this is a great opportunity. Can't wait to, to uh, talk to you. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks. Absolutely. Now you're and you're in Belgium, right? We're speaking to you today from Belgium. Yeah, you are. I, I live in Belgium. Yes. 
Outstanding. So this is, uh, I believe this is our furthest distance call. We, we spoke to, uh, we spoke to Clark, <laughs> Clark Dashler from Johnny Hates Jazz, and I believe he was in London. I think you're a little further away from us than that. So, um, so uh, Yeah, just a little bit, a little yeah. bit further away, yeah. yeah. Not much. Uh, well, we got some questions uh, for you specific to this song and, and, and then some sort of generally about your experience uh, in the band. And then we have a couple questions that we'd like to ask every guest. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll get to that. But first, if you would, um, as I understand it, this album uh, was your first album with the band. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be involved in the band? Obviously, Manfred had been going for quite a while before this, and it had sort of a few different iterations uh, before Manfred Mann's Earth Band came to be, and then they had had uh, previous releases before this one. So just walk us through a little bit about how you came to be part of the band. Um, well, um, I pretty much just moved to um, London. I, I came from New Zealand. I was living in New Zealand, so... Um, I'd been in I'd been in London living for I don't know nine months or something like that, answering every Melody Maker advertisement that uh, took my fancy. And I don't know whether Melody Maker doesn't exist anymore. I think, but there was a couple of pages at the back where any band or anybody could just advertise for what they wanted, you know. And 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 this ad was um, it said uh, band with record contract needs singer guitar player. No time wasters, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> That's great. So I and it said um, so. I called a number, um, and um, I was told I was asked if I had a cassette of me singing. So I said, "Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, sure, I'll put something together." So I, I mean, I only had those days. I had one cassette of me from singing in a in a in a bar in in New Zealand, which is what I was doing. Um, before I got to London. So, um, you know, I said, well, how do I get it to you? Well, we need it as soon as possible. So I got on, I lived in Northwest London and I had to go to Southeast, which was like, I guess an hour and 15 minutes, I would say, um, on trains and buses and walking. So I, I got there to a place called the Workhouse, which of course was Manfred Studio, but I didn't know anything about it at the time. I'd obviously, I was a Manfred Man fan uh -huh. um, from, you know, Paul Jones of Paul Jones era and, uh, you know, Five Faces and the beginning of the thing. I'd heard something that they had done kind of Joybringer, I think it was. Um, anyway, so, but I had no idea that's where I was going. So I, I knocked on the door. The door opened like a fraction of an inch and the guy stuck his hand out and I kind of put the CD and he took it and slammed the door. Wow. I'm not kidding oh, you. Man. Didn't say anything at all. So I thought, oh, okay then. So I walked back to the bus stop, got a bus and a train all the way back to Northwest London and walked into my bedsit. I was staying in a, I don't, you probably don't know what a bedsit is. It's, it's like a one room do all, you know, it's like a, like okay. a studio apartment like a they studio. would call it yeah, now, okay. I think yeah. where you shared a kitchen and a toilet and, and right. washing facilities with, with the other four people they were in, 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 in the yep. building. Anyway. So as I walked in the door, there was a payphone on the wall and it, it started to ring literally as I walked in through the door. So I picked it up and, and a voice said, um, yeah, can I speak to Chris Thompson? Cause I put my name obviously on it. So I said, yeah, that's me. He said, is that you singing on the tape? And, uh, I said, yeah, it's me singing on the tape. Of course. So he said, right, well, um, can you come to my house? I said, who's me? Well, you'll find out when you get there. <laughs> well, when do you want me to do it? Well, can you come now? I just come oh, all wow. the way back. So, You're I, like, I just got I, so I said, <laughs> and I'd been I'd been failing in my in my way to get a to um, to get a job. So I thought, well, I've got to do this. So this is like three o'clock. So I went all the way back to his house, which was even further down. And of course, when he opened the door, it was Manfred who I knew. I knew it was Manfred as soon as I opened the door. He opened the door. And so I went, I went, and he said, come and sit in here. So I sat by the piano where he was and he was, this is, I mean, this is funny. He was having a huge argument with his wife at the time. <laughs> so there was, I walked in this house, there was a screaming argument going on. Oh my God, and, um, and I was just sitting there by the piano and about two seconds later, he stuck his head around the door and said, do you want a cup of tea? I said, that'd be great. So <laughs> he bought a cup of tea and two seconds later with a piece of cake. <laughs> and so I, 
was still sitting in there. The, the argument was still going on. And, <laughs> and, and the next minute, the door came open and this huge dog came running into the room, jumped up on the table, ate my cake and ran away again. Oh, <laughs> so, so I'm sitting there. So anyway, I'm sitting there. And, and that was the beginning of how I got the job. And, That's and awesome. I went back to Manfred's house every day for about a month after that, every weekday for a month after that, going through the songs for that record. And um, he never actually ever told me I got the gig. <laughs> but he just said to me, well, can you come tomorrow? We'll, we'll, we'll rehearse with the band. And that yeah. was, I never really got the gig. He never <laughs> told me I had it. So. <laughs> That's awesome. They, they were probably fighting. Like She's probably like, you made that guy go all the way back. Right. You should have just yeah, listened probably. to his That's tape. That's exactly <laughs> right, yeah, because his wife, Sue, was a very yeah, – she was. that's probably exactly what it was. <laughs> anyway, so that's Fantastic. Manfred for you. Fantastic. That's awesome. Um Getting into the song itself, uh, Blinded by the Light, mm-hmm. obviously it's, it was a uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, originally. I would love to hear, mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, for people who haven't listened to the original version, uh, the, the Springsteen version, it's it's quite different. I mean, it's it's almost a day and night difference. Um, you it's know, totally different. It's totally different. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. would love to hear a little bit about sort of the transformation of the song from Springsteen's original into what we all know from the Manfred Mann's Earth Band version. Well... I mean, to be honest, I never heard Springsteen's version. I just, Manfred would play the chords on the piano and kind of mumble the words. So the words were very difficult to sing. And in fact, the words were the reason why Mick Rogers, who was the singer before me, a lovely singer and a great guitar player, he left because he said, I'm not, I can't sing those words. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, Manfred, and Manfred really believed in the song and, and they were very difficult to sing. But I never heard the originals. I just heard Manfred mumbling and mumbling away. So he was playing some chords, and I guess I was kind of inventing a melody. I guess that's probably what it was, because I never heard the original till we'd finished. Yeah, wow, um, that's interesting. I didn't, even, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know who Bruce Springsteen was. I mean, uh, Manfred had been sent the tape by a disc jockey from Philadelphia. Um, gee, I wish I could remember his name. Uh, Ed Sharkey, his name was, fantastic guy, wonderful. He sent Manfred because he was a friend of Manfred's because they had been touring with you know, the band before I joined. And Ed said, you know, there's some great songs on this. You should do something. Of course, we did two songs from that record, three songs from that record. Three? Oh, wow. And what, anyway. I knew, yeah, we I knew kn- you had done two. What, what was the I, third? I knew Spirits, Spirits of the Night. Spirit, Spirits, Blinded by the Light, and For You. Okay. Okay. Okay, wow. I think For You's on that record. I'm pretty sure it's on that. Anyway, so we, we just started, you know, I started to sing a melody because he was a mumbler. He couldn't sing. He, he Good phrasing, but he couldn't actually didn't have a voice. And he just played piano through the chords. He just went over and over and over and over. Again, with, there was four songs. So that was one of four songs. Yeah. And we just went over it and over it and over it. And then when the band got together, we just started playing the song and everybody started working on their parts. And it developed, you know, over, I would say, three months of rehearsals. Remember, Mads Earthman was very slow at doing everything. Um, so, you know, about three months, then we got into the studio, everything changed. And we had some other stuff at the front. And when we actually got to the final mix and everything like that, we all thought that it wasn't, the beginning wasn't good enough. And so... The engineer, Laurie Latham, who was searching through the tape, found Manfred screwing around playing that kind of um, chopsticks. And he thought that would be a good introduction. And that that's what happened. And there it is. And that's why, if you listen to the tape, there's a crossfade between a new bit of tape and the original recording where, and you can hear it slow down if you listen, and the bass goes doo 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 doo. We had to do something like that to kind of cover it up because in those days, you know, there was no digital, it, nothing. Right. It was just, you know, once you recorded it, that was it, unless you wanted to go over it. And so we just kind of did a bit of the front and crossfaded it. So, you know, I would say over a month of, with Manfred and three months with the band, that's what happened. Wow. That's really interesting. And I, the, go and, ahead. And the funny thing about it was, when we, we we went we went we were halfway through recording the record and we got offered a tour in America without a new product, but with the product that Manfred had made with Mick Rogers before called Nightingales and Mommas, it's a lovely record. And uh, we got offered this tour. So we went to America with me doing some old songs of Manfred Manager's Earth Band and and uh, 
Joybringer, which was the hit from um, that, <coughs> and Spirits in the Night. So, I'd, yeah, it must have been, yeah, it was on that record. Funny. Anyway, I'll have to look at my history and figure <laughs> that out. Anyway, um, so we played Blinded by the Light, and people would just walk out. People wow. would go, we called it, you know, called it a go to the toilet break. We had a much ruder word than that for it, but <laughs> people would go, and, and we kind of, in a lot of ways, we lost faith in the song because people would leave and we didn't get any reaction from it at all. Whereas the other songs that we found out later that they all knew because, sure. you know, we were playing at university colleges and, and things like that. Um, you know, they they knew the original kind of stuff, but a kind of, it was probably a pop track. Of course, Manfred Man's Earth Band originally was kind of like a prog rock band. Yeah. So even though it had a big, long guitar solo in it, it didn't communicate with the people at all until it got on the radio. Interesting. Uh, I, um, I, I love what you said about, I, I actually prefer it. And when I, when I talk to people who are, who are learning songs, especially singers, I prefer for them to not be married to the original version. I, I feel like it is a, um, it's actually a help to not know the original material super well, because then you don't feel bound to it. You don't feel tied to it and you can sort of yeah. throw yourself into it and really make it yours. Do you kind of feel the same? Yeah. Well, well, it depends. It it really depends. I mean, back then, you were totally right. I mean, if I had listened to Springsteen's verse, I, I, I don't think I would have ever sung anything like I did um, because, you know, it's not anything like that. The timing isn't the same. Yet to fit the words of the melody is not really the same either. He didn't really have a melody. I mean, I love Bruce. Bruce, Bruce is my hero, really. He was at that period of time unbelievable. I went and saw him, I think, 30 times wow. during wow. the space of... I think of the space I saw him first in in seventy. I think, I think I saw him on that first American tour we did when we played in Montreal. I think I saw him nineteen seventy five. I think, and I went. I used to whenever we were in America and had a day off, I'd see where he was playing, go and find out where he was playing, go see him. Man, because the band was outrageous and and they were wonderful. And and he was you know he was the ultimate really. I saw the future of rock and roll and his name is Bruce Springsteen. Is absolutely huh. right. Wow. And um, you know. You know, so I think if I, but I think if I'd heard Bruce's version, I would never have done it like that. So you're absolutely right for that. Now, of course, if I'm if I'm asked to do something, I always listen to the um, to the demo, the singing demo, if it exists, and um, try and start by learning that absolutely, and then moving off, you know, and doing my own thing afterwards. But I see. But in those days, we were. We were creating stuff. Now I think, yeah, the time is a bit. Times are different. I think you wouldn't get a chance like that to rearrange something if somebody, you know. I mean, he was a cult figure at that point in time. I don't. I don't think that would happen anymore. Right. Yeah, I'm a. I know that we've talked a lot about your time with Manfred Mann. I actually, when I knew we were going to get to chat with you, I kind of did a deep dive on Chris Thompson. I looked up a lot of your other stuff. Um, so I just want to ask you a little bit about some of the earlier projects you wrote, like the Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds. How was that getting to work with like David Essex and Julie Covington and Herbie Flowers? I'm yeah, a huge absolutely. Herbie, I'm a huge Herbie Flowers fan. I know he played bass on Space Oddity and all that stuff. So, And obviously David Essex with Rock On, I'm a big fan of that. But how was that experience? Tell us a little bit about that, uh, about that phase of your life well i mean that was an amazing experience really with jeff um um yeah i've worked, I've worked with jeff since then since 1976 pretty much up until a few years ago and yeah i mean jeffrey is a fantastic um friend i, I didn't sing the original of that i mean sorry i, I didn't sing Thunder i Child. wasn't the first singer he didn't he tried out um uh the other singer from um from Justin's band, from uh, from the Moody oh, Blues, God, the guy from the Moody Blues, from Justin Hayward's band. Yeah, what, what's Justin's band called? Uh, the Moody Blues. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Moody Blues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he tried out the other singer. I can't remember what his name is. And um, I was working with Jeff doing the odd commercial and everything. And and a guy called Gary Osborne who wrote the lyrics and everything for that. He said to Jeff, well, "Why don't you try Chris on that song? Because he wanted to be a bit more, bit more rocky." So that's awesome. Um, so he so he did try me. It took me about three days to please Jeffrey with what I was doing. It was very very difficult. And then after three days of doing it, he said, "What are you doing 
fucking tomorrow. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you can come back and double track it all. <laughs> oh, nice. awesome. You know, sing it again, double track it. Yeah. So, you know, and it, we, we had spent so much time bending the time and the notes and, oh, God, I had to go back and track it. But, you know, I learned so much from Jeffrey from doing that. And, and, and of course, you know, I got to, um, you know, to see the other people on the project. And even though it was spread over a long period of time, it was, it was yeah, it was great. And, I mean, we did it live um, 2004 or something, I think we started. That's, yeah. Or maybe, maybe 2002 we did it. We did it live. We didn't do it in America because it didn't do very well in America. So, but we played all over England and Europe, and and went to Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Wonderful that's a, project. That's a that's a powerhouse of, of team. Um, I think Rob had something, and then I was going to touch on one thing. Yeah, just a, a follow up. You talked a couple times about about playing in America. I do have a question about that from a from a UK based band. What does the uh, going going back to Blinded by the Light for a moment? What does the success of a number one single in America due to a band from the UK, does it make a real difference or does it, is, is it basically just more people showing up to the gigs that you already have? When, when this song took off in the States, what, what did it mean for the band? Well, I mean, it was amazing. It got it to number one. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, well, what it meant for us is we left home, went to America and never knew when we were going back again because Ah. Get dates kept getting added as it was being successful and everybody wanted us to play everywhere. So, I mean, I think we left one time and we were away for 10 months, I think, in oh America. My goodness. So it really just sort of throws everything up into the air and suddenly you're, yeah. hopping, you're hopping across the ocean. And then... Yeah, I mean, it, I, I, it was fantastic. I mean, American, American people really know how to do concert, if you know what I mean. They really know. They go to the concert, they throw themselves into it. And and it's it was a such a great experience to play with so many of my you know because we were special guests on a lot of tours like um, Ed Quinter and Rick Derringer and and Gary Wright and um, ELO and everybody we played with everybody and um, it was it was just fantastic they really accepted the band tremendously because of that hit. The worst thing is, of course, you've got to try and come up with something else, which we didn't. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, we 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 did do um, we did do uh, Spirits in the Night, which was yeah. not what we wanted to do because we thought doing another Springsteen song was not a good idea. But the record company, being the record company, thought it was a good idea. I see. But well, my- it turned out to not. Turned out to not be a good idea. My favorite Manfred Mann song is actually The Runner. I love The Runner. I have a funny story about that song. I don't know. It was used in the movie The Philadelphia Experiment. My, you know, obviously, you know what song I'm talking about. I think that I don't. I don't really like the movie. It's kind of a horrible <laughs> sci-fi movie. But I had a buddy that yeah. I was growing up that loved that movie, and that song is is played in that movie where they're in the truck. Yeah. So I that's actually yeah. that's one of my favorites. I, I love that song. And you you said oh, I still play the- that. I still play that song. It's it's when when I'm you know I'm not playing with Maverick Earth Band and haven't been since yep. 1999. But I I've got a, my own band, a bunch of Norwegians, and we we play all around Europe. And um, yeah, we it's one of the favorites. People love the runner. So I love we the play runner. it all the time. I think that's 80s at its finest. As for those of y'all that out there that are listening, go check out The Runner. It's so good. It's so, definitely 80s. It is definitely yeah, 80s, sure. but it, it's it's 80s feels. It's so good. Um, one other area yeah. that I kind of wanted to touch on, too, is I know you started Night with Stevie Van. Now, you met yeah. Stevie when married to Mutt Lang, right? When y'all were recording the Watch album, which is another underrated Manfred Mad album. Watch is so good. I love your version of uh, Mighty Quinn on there. I think it's so good. It's a little different different than the than the you know the dylan written version the live version is the solos are different yeah. i think it's really good um but talk well, a little bit about the, that the, the thing about mighty quinn is it's something that we used to play live all the time to kind of um bridge the gap between manfred man manfred man chapter three and yep. then manfred man's earth band mm-hmm. so we we did a rock version of that and we'd been playing that for a long time so when that was recorded, um, it was a well-worn road song. So, sure. um, you know, you and it what? continues to be. I mean, it's it's the last song I do before my encores and the gigs I do. It's, and it always gets people singing. And Do you do that trippy, yeah, middle, do you do that trippy middle section live? Do you play that? No, no. 
My, this band doesn't do that. We did it with Man from Man's Earth Band a few times. No, we don't. It's straight straight ahead rock and roll. Okay. Chorus first, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Solo, verse, chorus out, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one other thing I'll touch on, and then we'll, we'll move on from there. The song, If You Remember Me, from the movie The Champ. That is that, yep. d- did you know that you were, did you know the movie before you made the song? Like, how did it go? Was there like, we have this movie that is a tearjerker at the end. It's young Ricky Schroeder, for those of y'all that don't know what I'm talking about, and John Voight. It's like the saddest moment in all movies. <laughs> and then like, your song is the, is the main theme from this tearjerker of a movie. Did they say, here's the story, write a song, or did you have this song? How did that kind of come into the... To that marriage of that song with that movie. Well, I was making um, we were making the night record with Richard Perry in Los Angeles, um, and um, uh, what's his name? Oh my God, um, the writer. It'll come to me in a second. Um, but Carol Bayosega was the lyricist, and um, Jesus, it'll come to me in a second. Anyway, he's a keyboard player as well can't remember his name. It'll come to me. And he, uh, Richard said, I want you to uh, meet whatever his name was. He's got a song he wants you to do a demo of. Um, and so he played me the song and played the melody, well, gave me a top line sheet music and then played the top line for me. Um, th- are you talking about Marvin Hamlish? Is that who you're speaking of? Martin Hamlish, yeah. Sorry. He's mine. My brain's gone. Yeah, Marvin Sorry. Hamlish. Of course I'm talking about Marvin. So Marvin... So we played, um, we just did a piano voice demo of it, um, and uh, the next thing I knew, it was a big orchestration song, I had to do the vocal again, and it was for that, and I didn't know anything about the movie, to be honest. (laughs) I I tell you, I was so incredibly busy at that time. We were making a a night album, and Manfred couldn't find another singer, because I'd officially left. Um, He couldn't find another singer, and he was getting shouted at by the record company, so I was basically doing a week in LA and a week in London. Oh wow! Recording with Van from Earthband and then recording with. Um, do you remember Pan Am? Yeah. The airline, yeah. Well, Pan Am were offering. You got to three hundred and fifty thousand miles, and and um, on Pan Am, and you got a free round the world trip. Well, I got three thousand three hundred and forty nine thousand miles going back and forth between those wow. two studios and, and then they went and then and then they went bankrupt oh so, no <laughs> <laughs> you were so close oh man so I, ne- I never got to uh, i never got to get my free round the world trip <laughs> timing is everything what a ripoff um i uh okay so i i i have to ask uh and and, and if you're sick of being asked about this just say so, and no. we'll leave it alone. I'll tell you what you're gonna you're gonna I, ask I me what the are. lyrics are, right? <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I, the one I, I I what I'd like to ask is, what is it like to be the voice of one of the greatest and most widely misheard lyrics of all time? <laughs> I think that's why I've still got a career, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the funny, the funniest thing about that, I was driving to work. Eighty, I was living in in. Um, Los Angeles, well, I was living in Newport Beach between 1997 and 2002 or something, or three or something. And I was driving uh, up to up to the studio to do some writing, and I was listening to two guys on the radio. I can't remember what their names are, but they're really funny guys. And they were saying, right, you got to call in if you know the lyric of this song. And they played <laughs> played Blinded, just a section of it. And and I didn't have a mobile phone or anything, so I thought, well, it just kept going. Somebody got to call in. You know, people were calling, is it this, is it that? No, no, no. And I thought, you know, fuck this. I went to the... Um, I went to a petrol station, put in my money, dialed up to the number, <laughs> and I yes. said, "And I said, look, I'm calling about the lyric for blind." He said, "Sorry, that's over," and put the phone down. Oh, oh man! Wow. So the only guy that could have actually told them what the lyric was, they 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 put the phone down on me. That's hilarious. Oh, that's, oh, that's terrible. A great story. Man, again, timing. <laughs> timing is everything. Yeah, timing is everything. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, where where do you hear sort of or do or do you hear the lasting influence of Manfred Mann's Earth Band uh, or or this song or even your own voice? Where do you hear the lasting influence of that in in music that came after? I know for me, listening uh, to to some of that stuff, I hear 
we're big like uh you know we we listen we're into some prog you know current prog ourselves so we listen to like dream theater and stuff like that and i definitely hear some some of the prototype for that in some of the manfred man stuff uh and i hear a little bit of even in this song a couple of lines i i hear um uh lane staley who would come later for alice in chains um and vocalists like that where do you hear uh, yourself or the band in in acts that came later you know, to be honest, I, I, I never ever heard anything from my voice with other people. I, I, I just, um, I didn't, I did, I never heard that having an influence on. I, I people have told me you were the great influence on me when when we were growing up and made me wanted to go and start to sing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and successful people, very successful people, uh, but I've never listen to say that guy's copying me or something like that. I, sure. I never did. Man from Man's Earth Band, I think, I think with Alison Chains, you're right. I think you can, I think, I think the Moog thing that Manfred did, that, that, that was groundbreaking in my opinion, going to Bob Moog and asking him to make it polyphonic so he could do, you know, two notes at once thing yeah. that he does. I mean, I think that influenced a lot of people when they went to be playing synth solos. Yeah, absolutely. I think influenced a lot of people. A lot of people following him were influenced by that. And I, I, I didn't. You know who Steve Wilson is, right? The guy from Porcupine Tree. Do you know that guy? I am not I'm sure. Not, if you don't, if you don't know him, you should really check out Porcupine Tree. This this guy, he he is a real. Um, well, he's, he's innovative and he's fantastic. And, um, I was with somebody and I love him. I, I don't know him, but, um, I love what he does. And a friend of mine was playing drums with him for a while. And I met somebody else. I just went to see Alan Parsons the other day cause we're, we're friends, Alan and I, he was playing just down the road. So I went to have a sing and, um, somebody was there. I can't remember his name, but he, he's, he was talking to me and he's saying, Oh, look. Steve Wilson always talks how much he was influenced by Man from Man's Earth Band. Oh, wow. I said, that's impossible. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's this a guy on the cutting edge of today. So yeah. in answer to your question, um, I mean, he knew all the old albums. I, I thought there's no way he would, but, uh, you know, so um, I'll have to, I'm going to go sit down with him sometime this year. We've, we're going to get together and talk to him about what, what it is that he, he liked about those albums. Fantastic. Because... Um, you know, it's hard for me because I was making them and we were really struggling to, um, you know, Manfred is very, very difficult to work with and, and very difficult to get any spontaneity and keep it going because he always wanted to go back over and do it again and again and again and again and again. Um, so we were we were battling as a band to, to um, you know, to, 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 to make some impression on what was going down on the tape, which we did very well in Roaring Silence and Watch. But after that, um, the band kind of disintegrated. So he became a, you know, man from Azusa became a, a, a dictatorship. Sort of a, yeah, dictatorship. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So um, you know, so after that, it was a struggle. So, but I think the first two albums, I mean, especially with Manfred's playing. I mean, I, somebody sent me a, a something the other day from 1970. I'm going to go and look and get this date exactly right. 1975, I think we did Pink Pop. In um, what is it? I'm looking at the yeah. In 1977, we did Pink Pop in Holland, and uh, somebody came up to me when I was playing somewhere and gave me a bootleg from the gig, and That's I listened cool. to it, and, and it was unbelievable. Mafra was unbelievable, unbelievable, That's just funny. just incredible. And it's funny. I said I wrote to him, and I mean we, we email and we talk sometimes. I said, Manfred, look, I got sent this tape. Do you want me to kind of send it? Send it to you saying, have a listen. No, he said. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about how you have influenced, you know, people. Who were your influences coming up as a guitar player? I know you've got to play guitar. You know, like you're even the people you've played with, like you said in on the the feedback '86, the Steve Hackett of Genesis project, where you got to play. I mean, with Brian May, that's a pretty good company to be around there and even in night with, um, with Robbie McIntosh I'm, I, I'm a fan I, of that kind, I kind of struggled to play guitar I wasn't a great guitarist I, I still struggle I still fiddle around and try and play as much as I can I didn't really have any great guitar influences as far as vocals was concerned I think Joe Cocker was the biggest influence on, oh, on me yeah. I think 
Um, and, you know, so people like Lou Rawls as well, um, you know, in the 50s and, and um, you know, kind of the first gigs I had, I was singing all those old jazz standards and stuff. So I, I, I loved uh, Nat King Cole and Frank Sinatra, obviously, and... Um, and all the, all those all those guys, Dean Martin, and you know, all, I love them all. But for my voice, Joe Cocker was the guy that um, did it for me, and um, I just loved the way he sang. That's so interesting to me because I was going to point out that there are there are certain um, uh, you know, as as American listeners, we tend to assume that everyone is American sometimes, right? Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it's a it's a listening flaw. Um, but uh, there, so there are certain voices for me that when I find out that guy's British, it just shocks me. Uh, and and I think your voice and Joe Cocker's voice are two of the most shocking to me that when I found out you're not American, <laughs> it was it was a I mean, it really took me aback. So it's really interesting for me to hear you say that that Joe Cocker was one of your big influences vocally. And we're a huge Joe Cocker fan. We yeah, Our 50th episode that we did, we got to spend some time with Phil Grande, who's his guitar player. And so the fact that you have touched back to one of our sweet spots really hits home for, yeah, for right. us here. That's awesome. He's the man for me, Joe. I was lucky enough to meet him and share the stage with him a few times and, and uh, get to talk to the fat. He was lovely man. Lovely man. And sorely missed by me, that's for sure. And so say all of us. Yeah, so say, well, to kind of bring it up a little bit, something that I ask every single artist and guest that we get to, to spend some time with. So you're on tour, and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station food of choice? You can get chips. You can get a candy bar. You can get what, – what we're excited to hear because you're not in America. So we're curious if you have anything. We, get some, we always get interesting we answers always get from people interesting overseas. An, yeah, you, mean, people. you mean in America? No, no, if, no, 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 no. Wherever you might wherever be. Wherever you are, you're if, on, on the road anywhere, and you pull over to a gas station. What do you go in and get? It can be your, your go-to. I'm a really boring guy. I'd look for, <laughs> I'd look for, some, I'd look for some, you know, nuts, some, some uh, okay. mixture of, you know, uh, mixture of kind of nuts to get me through to the next, uh, to the next wherever region. we were going. Next good meal. I think that's what Martin Page told us as well. Some yeah. almonds, mixed nuts kind yeah. of kind you of guys thing, are so. You guys are a similar gas station. <laughs> yeah. Y'all could be reaching for the last bag of mixed nuts in the same <laughs> gas station. It could be Martin Page versus Chris Thompson right. in the, riding, the riding back the grab almonds. off. That's awesome. Um, one other thing that I want to talk about for you before we kind of wrap this up. You've been so kind. Thank you for your time, Chris. We really appreciate it. Um, we know you have lots of stuff to do. but No uh, problem. It's always the, nice to talk to you. So I discovered one of your songs through another version. I I grew up a big Starship fan, and I had the No Protection album, which I loved. And I I recently discovered your version of It's Not Over, which I knew their version growing up. But then yours is in that movie playing for keeps with Marissa Tomei in it. It's so good, so good. And I really didn't. I wasn't crazy about the beginnings of the song until the keyboard comes in, and it's so thick. And then I'm hooked. So uh, tell us a little bit about that song in your in your life, the It's Not Over Till It's Over song. That was a very, very, it was a very difficult time in my life. I was making a record for Atlantic. Um, Doug Morris was the head of that company, and, and I took him a song called You're the Voice. I don't know whether you know I wrote that. It was a big hit for John Farnham everywhere around the world, not, not in America. Yeah. yeah, You're the Voice, Try and Understand It, that, that one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. love that song. I, I took that um, to to Doug Morris. I said, this is going to be the you know, the flagship song for my record. And uh, he said to me, no, nah, listen to it. And he said, no, nobody wants to listen to protest songs anymore. So that was the beginning of a downfall relationship for us. So I was being produced by Phil Golston and John Van Tongren, who I, I've worked a lot with. Um, and it was a very difficult time. Atlantic made it very difficult for us to make the record we wanted to make kept cutting our budgets and, you know, the normal shit that goes on with record companies. And, um, so, um, then the, the directors of that film who I believe were the Weinstein brothers, I think, is that right? I can't remember. Forgive me on that. That would make sense. I think it was them. They, they heard the song, which, um, yeah, they heard the song and, and, uh, was written by John and Phil, I think. And they they wanted to put it in the movie, and you know, then it was deadlines, and then it was you know, it, it was very very difficult time. But um, it, I'm, I was always very happy it went in the movie, and uh, yeah, 
I mean, I've tried to play that a couple of times live. It's pretty difficult to play. Yeah, so. I, I would imagine that would be tough to pull off live. I was thinking that, and I, I've listened back through a lot of the stuff that you've, you know, used that you've done recently. Some of your live stuff, I listen, I follow you a lot of stuff on Spotify. I've been listening to that, and I don't really hear you do that one much. Other than I, I, I can't think of another version that I found of you doing that one versus the one from the movie. Yeah, so it doesn't hold good memories for me that time. It gotcha. was very difficult. Well, sorry to bring up bad memories. That was not our <laughs> No, no, no. That's, it's all good. No, no. <laughs> I've got over that a long time ago. <laughs> okay, good. That was not our intention. We, we like everything you do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we before we let you go, we do want to make sure we give you a chance to uh, let our listeners know what's going on with you right now. What are you up to these days? And where can they find uh, your, your latest projects, things that you've got on the horizon? Well, um, you can – I just – last – couple of years, um, well, two years ago, I did a, um, a kind of a one-hour festival DVD set, which is the greatest, which is my hits, basically, in one hour, played live at a thing called The Rock of Ages. It's, it's outdoor, but it, it was filmed nicely, and that's available on Amazon. It's called live, Chris Thompson Live at Rock of Ages. Um, um, I've I've got compilations and things, that, and a new and an old record I made a couple of years ago called Toys and Tishes. They're, they're all available on, you know, toys, uh, on uh, Amazon. Um, I'm retiring in a couple of years from live performances. So before I do that, I'm going to do a live album and hopefully another studio. Oh, well, I've got a studio at home, so it'll just be a home album. Right. <laughs> and, um, and then I'm planning a big kind of uh, Chris Thompson and Friends video shoot end of 2021. And um, but my big thing that's happening at the moment is my wife and I've written a musical. Oh, that's awesome! All new, all new music and all new story, and it's actually debuting. We've got our um, first night. Well, it's first and only night. We, we had to put it up, put it on in a workshop situation to see how it worked. So there's a bunch of uh, college students in a place called Osnabrück. There's a musical school for, for you know, it's, it's like a college. And they're putting it on March the 1st. We've been to see rehearsals. It's really, really good. Um, it's called Do It For Love. And it's got all new music, pretty much all of it written by me, lyrics with myself and my wife. And we've invited a lot of people, and we're hoping that um, it'll it'll get out and about. So that's that's my big project that I've been working on for the last four or five years. So look out for that. Hopefully, hopefully it'll make it. Do it yeah. for love. You never. We'll, we'll, we'll be on the lookout for it here when it's uh, when it's worldwide <laughs> blown up. We'll be like, holy cow! We talked to Chris about yeah. that. Yeah. That's awesome. You'll be that's the so first. Cool. To, well, you're the first to hear about it being um, its opening night on the. Oh man, March that's the first. great! It's it's, it's going to be fun. That's great. So they're using they they're using all my backing tracks. I've done backing tracks for everything. So they're using all the backing tracks. So the music is very varied and very complicated in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, twenty six pieces of music. So it's so been cool. quite a project. This uh, this podcast episode is going to be worth something someday because we're recording <laughs> it before March first, but we will actually probably drop it. It'll be dropping just a little after March first, and we'll be like, "Whoa, okay. we knew about it before it went huge." That's so <laughs> cool. That's awesome. So, so well, good luck with that, Chris. Right, well, Chris, thank you so much for uh, for your time, and uh, I'm sure this is going to be a great listen for uh, for our listeners, and uh, and we just appreciate it as fans of the music and as fans of yours. Uh, it's just meant so much to have spoken with you today. So we wish you all the best well, uh, in the in the music and in in uh, the in the live uh, stuff you got going on and and in retirement beyond that uh, from live performance. We just wish you all the best, and uh, we're so grateful. I'm gonna to have, have a big long today. holiday. Absolutely, you you've earned it. You've earned it. <laughs> well, thanks so all much, right, man. Chris. Well, thanks very much. Thank, Thank you, Chris. You. We'll talk soon, man. All right, man. Take right. care. Podcast. Can't believe we thought that guy said douche. <laughs> man. Anyway, Chris Thompson, ladies and gentlemen, how about that? That was fun, dude. That was fun. That was fun. What are we? What What are we even getting to do here? You this know what I'm saying? Amazing. We're We're talking to these uh, incredibly cool, legends. I mean, he was he was a cool guy to talk to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, uh, we got. I mean, season five still has surprises yet to oh, come. Man, we got you guys busy. don't even know. We're Get ready. We're just getting started in season five. I mean, we're not. We're actually getting close to halfway done. Yeah, we're kind of the middle but, point. Yeah, we're kind of midway done with with season five, but. Got some more nuggets uh, of goodness. Man, we got some more good stuff to come. So just stick around. Uh, 
Tell us what you liked about this episode, what you liked about this season, what's been your favorite moments. Tell us what's been your least favorite. Tell us what you hate. We don't care. Uh, tell us where you think we're wrong. Just talk to us. Yeah. Just, we just, like the company. We do. It gets lonely. You know, it's just us. <laughs> so uh, that's why we start calling these people. We're like, hey, can we talk to you about your song? Yeah. Thanks. Okay, cool. great. Great. Our, our friends won't talk to us on Facebook. So no. Uh, make sure you do hit us up on Facebook. Uh, check out the group Great Songs and the great people who love them greatly. Or you can just go to Facebook.com slash groups slash great song pod and uh we have basically daily discussions there among you know sort of our tribe uh and uh weekly hint threads and and a lot of fun that we do giveaways occasionally great prizes of unspeakable value and uh, we have a lot of unspeakable value unspeakable uh hit us up on twitter and instagram at great song pod as always you can go to greatsongpodcast.com for archives t-shirts uh all the all the stuff you're looking for there if you want to support the show so uh, that's gonna do it for this week, man. Blinded by the blinded by that old light, you know. It's it was good stuff. Make take take a minute and listen to take a few minutes and listen to the album, The Roaring whole, Silence. Whole thing. You won't be disappointed yep. if you if you like you know um, progressive rock. If you like Genesis, Kansas. If you like discovering theater, new music, because yeah. like you're not gonna know most of the stuff on there, right. but you're gonna love it. Yeah, you're gonna really enjoy it. So take a listen to the 1976 album, The Roaring Silence. Uh, and whatever, take a listen to uh, Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, too. You know, yep. give throw throw all Bruce Springsteen a bone. He needs it. Uh, hope everybody's doing well out there. We'll see you again next week with a fantastic song. Until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.